Hello everyone, welcome to the Four Lads Had a Dream podcast. My name is Stephen Clifford and this is the February edition of the podcast. Joining us as normal is co-host, um, he is the Chief Sports Writer at the Glasgow Times, Mr Chris Jack. Chris, how are you? Hi Stephen, all good, thanks for having us on once again. Yeah, great to have you Chris. And this one's special guest is former Rangers player, former Northern Ireland international, Mr Dean Shields. Dean, thanks for joining us, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure to have you on, Dean. Um, as most people know, Dean signed for Rangers back in 2012. Um, he won the Scottish League 2, Scottish League 1 and Scottish Championship, as well as the Petrofac, and was a huge part of our journey up the, up the leagues. Before we get to talk to Dean about his time at Rangers, um, Dean, you started your career at Arsenal, um, coming through the youth ranks there. Who was your early... Um, heroes um, in football and what was your early influences? Um, well, at that stage, obviously, when I, before I arrived at Arsenal, obviously, it's, you've got the Northern Irish players, George Best and all that there, people like that. But when I arrived at Arsenal, it was obviously the players in the first team were just phenomenal. Um, just to be in around that environment and that culture was just, um, it was brilliant for any young player of trying to sort of find his way in the game and learn things and um, you, you all know the, I was actually there when they had the Invincibles um, the team so Burkamp was there uh, Henri Perez they had all these players that, all the, that core that English core of Adams uh, Seaman um, all that sort of thing so um, you couldn't help but learn off, off of those types of players you know just being in and around it yeah, they're obviously magnificent players and it was definitely a fantastic run by Arsenal. Um, something similar is happening in the English Premiership at the moment with Liverpool. But getting back to, obviously, your career, the Scottish fans would have got to know you with your spell at, at Hibs and then you went down to Doncaster. But it was your, your move to Kilmarnock. Um, you came back and you played under your dad um, there. And Kilmarnock, during your year, you had a, you had a fantastic year. You were shortlisted for the SPS. SPFA Player of the Year, but it was just, it was a run in the League Cup, um, particularly the semi-final when you scored the winner against um, Air United, if memory serves me right, to take Kilmarnock into the final where you played Celtic. How enjoyable was that run for you, um, and was that kind of semi-final into the final your highlight of your time at Kilmarnock? Yeah, it was... Um... We we had a great season that year. We played with such freedom. Um, I don't think I've ever been involved with a team. We just we went out and just tried to score more in the opposition, you know. And we got it off the keeper, and we just tried to play expansive football. And it was good to be part of. And then obviously to finish the season with the trophy, um, it just made it even more special. Um, the semi final was a frustrating day because Air literally just put every single player they had. Um, in front of their 18-yard box and had absolutely no intentions of trying to score a goal. So they were trying to get penalties and it was very frustrating and it took us into extra time, late into extra time, to actually get the breakthrough. And um, it was more relief that day than anything because I think, obviously, they say it was the biggest derby in Ayrshire, biggest Ayrshire derby in history or whatever, but um, it was very frustrating for us. And it, we were under all the pressure because of obviously being the... Premiership side at the time, and um, we had been going well, but 
um, it was more relief that day of getting to the final. And then obviously when we met Celtic, we had high confidence of beating them because we had done really well against the old firm all season that year. And, uh, and we, we, had, we had really strong beliefs that we'd win going into that game. That form um, certainly caught the eye of, of Ali McCoy's. You also scored um, at Ibrox the, um, just after Rangers' kind of troubles with, with finances had begun. You scored the winner at Ibrox as well. That led Rangers to come for you in, in the, the summer of 2012. What were your early impressions of Ali McCoy's? And, and dropping down so many leagues, Dean, was it a difficult decision to join Rangers um, considering where they were? Um, it was just a difficult time for for um, for the club, and obviously I was a free agent at the time. I just my contract had expired, and um, I was already living in Glasgow. And I was actually, I knew there was some sort of interest from Rangers, but it wasn't sort of concrete because I think at that time they still didn't know what league they were in. Um, I'm sure Ali was under a lot of pressure with trying to get signings in but then I think he turned up and there was only so many six or seven players at, at training and um and his when in the when the season started and I think the club were a bit all over the place from didn't know what league we were going in, didn't know what players they had and um so I was waiting on Rangers offer and I hadn't actually had an offer from them. And I, so I was shopping around. At that time I was looking and I wanted to go and play abroad, um Norway and there was teams in the Champions League at, um, that I had the chance of going to. And then I was actually in Germany speaking to a German club um, when my agent rung me and says, look, Rangers have made you a contract offer here. So okay, I always knew if Rangers ever made me an offer, then I was always going there. You know, it was it was a no-brainer from my background and where I was from and growing up with Rangers and my, and my sort of all my family and friends and everyone's massive, massive Rangers fans, you know, and uh, so it was an easy decision in one way. I, I always said to myself, if I ever got a chance to, to sign for the club, I would do it no matter what. And um, it just, it was just funny how it worked out because I was in Germany at the time and I had just arrived in the, the baggage reclaim bit in Germany and I was meeting a club and there was a big guy standing outside the double doors of his, with, with Dean Shields written on his, uh, on his bit of paper to pick me up and I was actually on the phone to my agent and he said look Rangers have made you an offer and I said well, what do you want me to do now you've sent me to Germany to speak to these Germans and <laughs> this big guy is standing waiting on me and um, so I had to go in play along with the Germans sort of until I got to wherever I was going and then I spoke to their chairman and their, their man said look I'm sorry I've, I've wasted your time I'm, I'll pay for my own flight home and I'll I'm going to sign for Rangers, you know. It was just a bit bit strange situation for me. So certainly an offer that you, you couldn't come down, eh, turn down rather. That's a that's actually, see from a supporter's point of view, that's actually a good thing to, to hear. Obviously it must have been a difficult situation for you, but we know that, that you obviously are back down supporting the club and things like that. So you've joined the journey in Division 3, um, we've had past guests on, including Neil Alexander, um, Andy Little and things, and the feedback's always been mixed. What uh -huh. are your memories of the third division? Um, Neil Alexander, for example, said that he didn't like it at all because it was just tiny dressing rooms cramped, it was difficult conditions, and it wasn't what he was kind of used to in previous years. 
although he enjoyed playing for the club, um, obviously. What what do you feel about your time looking back on the third division? I think, um, obviously, the home games were fantastic. Like the, the club had just been obviously gone down, but we were, the crowds were phenomenal at home, you know. So there was always that um, buzz of playing at Abrox. That'll never go away, do you know what I mean? And But the away games were extremely, extremely difficult because um, of the setup of the other teams in small away grounds. And I think we didn't really have a settled team and it, it, was, it was very difficult conditions. And I think we could have done better. In, in in that in that first league down there, but it was it was difficult to be honest. Obviously, there was still a bit of uncertainty off the pitch, and um, the squad had just been thrown together um, quickly, and uh, it was just important about getting out of it, you know. But for me, on a personal point of view, it was very disappointing because I I done my knee against Anna in the Ibrox, and. Um, it took me ages to get over that, do you know what I mean? So um, I was starting to play well and then it, I sort of got a real um, real mishap with that and it put me right back, you know. But the lads went on. I, I, I didn't finish the, the season. In the second half of the season, I was completely out of it. So, um, But at the start, it was, it was hard. We were going to places like Annan, whose pitch size was just like a quarter of the size of Ibrox and they would just stand there and boot you and kick the ball and, and not give you any space. And then you go to Ibrox and there'll be bags of room to play. And um, it was just one one extreme to the other, you know. No, I can certainly understand that. A lot of the away, the away trips, um, I, I don't remember too many high-scoring victories. There was, obviously, at home, we got a lot of um, good results. Like you say, there was more room. But, Dean, before your injury in that year, you had seven goals. Um, one of them came against Motherwell um, in the early rounds of the, the League Cup. Do you have a, a favourite moment from the, the third division before the injury and, and that kind of ruled you out? Uh, I think it would be the Motherwell game. I think I scored a volley that night and I set up Jig for the other one. Um, it, was a, it was a good night because obviously the club had been um, battered from every part of Scotland and when when a Premiership club came, they were wondering, wonder could they they do it against the a Premier League team? And then obviously we went and convincingly, we really really were worthy of a two 0 win that night. We completely battered Motherwell, and that was one of the most enjoyable moments of that year. To be honest, um, Motherwell had obviously a decent team at the time, and we're always in around that third fourth, I think, going for Europe. So um, it sort of laid down a marker that we that we were um, we were on our way back, you know, slowly but surely. Yeah, that was a good night. I remember Ibrox was um, particularly loud. It was like a European game. Um, and as you said, um, Jig scored a fantastic header, which you, you set up at the, the Copeland end, and it, it was a cracking night. Moving on, as we kind of go through, um, second division, you returned from injury. But again, it was it was a bit stop-start. You got another injury, um, but you still managed eight goals in, in 18 games. You had a good return um, during this time. Ali McCoyce was struggling a wee bit. The, the fans were... We maybe had a, an expectation that we should have steamrolled everybody, but there was a lot of things going on at the club. How important was Ali McCoyce keeping things together and, and how was, was he with you in the dressing room and with the other players? I think he's obviously an upbeat character anyway, so I think obviously he knew more than what the players knew. Um, 
there was um, difficult moments, obviously, for him as a manager. He was having to shield the players and protect the players from a lot of the, the board and um, a, lot of, a lot of things that were going on probably that we didn't know about. And he, and he was under pressure. Obviously, sometimes we weren't getting the results that we needed and, and there was talk of takeovers. There was always a new chief executive comes in. I remember we used to go to the Rangers dinners where the players would attend, whether it be a charity dinner or whether it be a club dinner for different reasons. And the chief executive has always stand up and make this big speech of how he, he gets what Rangers is about. He's came from somewhere else, but he wants to stay for a long time. And then by the next dinner we had, there was a new chief exec making the same speech, you know? So, um, Ali was obviously having to deal with that, have to pick a team on a Saturday and then get abuse from different angles of what comes with managing an old firm team. And, Obviously, he, he's good at still keeping morale and the character up. Durante was great for um, getting in around the players and trying to help them. And and obviously, it was a difficult time for me. That second season, I sort of was just coming over my injury. I picked up one towards the Christmas, but I think I finished the season really strong. I had a good second half of the season, but um, no, it was difficult for um, for everyone. And obviously, he takes the brunt of it, knowing... Um, I think that's that's the year we, the board were trying to get us to take wage cuts and and there was things going on and and that just causes uncertainty within the team and and uh, after that I didn't really know, you know what I mean. It, it just turned sour for for Ali, you know, and then obviously he was gone and um, and things just changed quickly again, you know. Yeah, that was something I wasn't going to talk too much because obviously it's a difficult thing for us to talk about. But when I was researching and just looking over, during your first three years at the club, as you said, the, the turnover in boardroom, chief executives, and then, as you, you commented there, trying to get wage cuts and everything, it, it must have been horrendous. Up until um, Ali obviously leaves, Kenny McDowell's put in, and during that kind of period, Rangers, we went to Easter Road, we got a drubbing, Things are really rock bottom, more or less. Aye. Um, and that then, was the lowest of the low. Like that was the yeah. lowest of the low. Um, I remember that day going to Hibs, and it was just embarrassing. It was just completely embarrassing. As they felt sorry for Kenny Dole, Kenny in a way as well, because obviously he had been so loyal to Ali, and he was thrown in the job. And I don't even think he, he wanted the job, and he but he obviously loved the club. He was just helping out, and then it, and then I think what happened. I remember Kenny speaking to some of the, I was one of the older players at the time and he pulled some of us and he said, look, basically there's five lads coming up from Newcastle. Um, I've been told they have to play. Um, and then that just became an embarrassment too. Um, he says, I didn't know anything about it, but the five lads are on their way. And then it just, there was just always something. The club was just full of drama. Um, there was always something else happening. And do you know what I mean? It was, I'm sure the papers had a field day in, in those times when when the club was struggling internally and but there was always drama within the club. It was stuff that didn't get, get to the press as well, you know, that happened in, in with the club. But um it was it was never really a dull dull moment around those times. But it was quite embarrassing at times, you know, when we were when on the pitch stuff started to be affected by off the pitch stuff. Yeah. Um as I said, see, see, looking back and, and looking back and, and getting together this podcast, some of the things are horrendous and it actually brings a shudder when we talk about it and think about it. But 
we'll move on because um, King arrives, the club, the boardroom get taken over, there's stability. We end the season under Stuart McCall strongly but fall short in the playoffs. Um, and then there's a kind of dramatic turnaround. Mark Warburton arrives um, and you're retained. You, you've still got a year left in your deal. But um, what was Mark Warburton and Davy Weir like when they first arrived? Um, because from a fan's point of view, it very quickly went on the right track and we, we did produce some really great early form and we started strongly. Ah, it was a breath of fresh air in pre-season. I remember when um, Davy and Warburton come in, they they just completely changed the mentality. They had a, they wanted to play. They give the players sort of um, a say in the changing room. They, uh, they wanted to play good football. And we had gone through a lot of stuff where the football wasn't great, if we're being totally honest, um, in, the, in the couple of divisions below. And... Um, he wanted to, to co- sort of play, do things right. And the training was brilliant. Um, Davy Weir was fantastic with the players. Great to be around. And it was he brought in good players as well. I think that helped. Um, Waghorn, Tavernier. Um, these players came in. And um, I think some of the football was really good that year. Um, really, really good. And um, But still, there were still moments when there was difficulties off the pitch too with different things. But um, no, he was a bit of fresh air at the start when he came in. Um, so um, it was it was quite a good time at, at, at that time. We sort of thought we were, well, we're getting closer now to the Premiership, you know, maybe maybe he's the man to sort of get us, get us back there, you know. As you said, there was some um, good highs under Warburton, especially in the first year. They played an attacking style. That seemed to suit you better as well. It was on the ground. It was fast. It was it was different. We started, certainly started off really well. We had some highs as well, even though it was only the Challenge Cup. We beat some good teams on the way. We had Tibbs, Ayr, Livingston, St Mirren. You had game time in the final um, against Peter Hedge. You come on for the last 15, 20 minutes and I sold out Hamden. And that was kind of a warm-up for the, the Scottish Cup run, um, yeah. having already beaten Kilmarnock and Dundee. We then got Celtic. Would it be right in saying that Celtic the semi-final when would that be up there with the, the pinnacle of your your Rangers career? Ah, I think so. It has to be. Um, winning an old firm is just um, it's obviously you grow up watching them like you're glued to them when they're on the TV when you're young and just to be part of it, you know, was was great. But I think it was more of a bigger statement for the club that day that we had played. I think Kenny Madol was the manager. We had played. Celtic and it was an embarrassment I think they beat us 1 or 2 now and we never get a shot and people were writing us off and writing us off for years and I think the journey we had through the leagues that was all the relief coming out after beating Celtic in that semi-final um, because it had been so long since we had beaten them and it was definitely a high moment for my career um, playing and winning at Hamden it was sold out there's no, there's no better feeling you know and I think the relief um, sort of the statement we put down that day we didn't just beat them we beat them in penalties but we we, we really give them a football lesson in the first half you know and uh, I think um, it sort of showed them again that we're getting closer and, and, and it was a, it was a great day for the club after all the, the turmoil you know Yeah that was certainly a high um, the final 
was was a disappointment. Um, you obviously again you, you played. Um, he came on against Hibs. I think twenty minutes to go, if I remember rightly. Yeah, uh, that was probably one. I I would say that's maybe that and the Motherwell. The Motherwell get beaten in the playoffs, probably the lowest point. I I I didn't speak to anyone after we beat that final by Hibs for about a week. I just couldn't deal with it, obviously. And then um, the rubbish with their fans coming on, and um, it was just a very very hard. I couldn't. It was very hard to swallow that one. You know, um, that one hurt big. Um, but we seemed to be in control of the game at one stage, and then. I think it was two set pieces um, that done us, and um, in the end, it was uh, it ended up being my last game for the club. I think. Yeah, it was certainly a, a difficult one, especially being um, two one up with with ten minutes kind of left. Yeah, and that that brings us before we kind of um, finish up on the questions of, of your time at Rangers. We've got a wee bit more on to come, but. How did you, under Warburton, how did it end with the club and, and with Mark? Was it was it just a case of, you know, happy to go separate ways? Or was there, um, was it no, a difficult decision, etc.? Initially, I was staying. I, I was, I was staying. Um, I thought I was staying. And then um, I was basically... Uh, if if you want the brutal truth, I there, there was a deal shook shook hands on, and I was on holiday, and uh, I was I came back from holiday, and my obviously I had been offered a deal. Uh, I think it was towards the end of the season, and it was always my intentions to stay. I came back from holiday, everything was agreed, and then um, my agent rang and says, "Look, Dean's got time here. He can come in now and sign that contract." Um, he's just back from holiday and then there was sort of humming in hand from Andrew Dixon and then I couldn't get hold of the uh, I couldn't get hold of Warburton all of a sudden um, he went Jack Barr on me and uh, I uh, they, then I got a call from my agent to say look they're signing Nico Crankar and Joey Barton don't think they're going to have enough room anymore they're putting all their money into them too and I just went right, fair enough. Um, but I, the deal was sh- shaken on, and um, I shook Mark, Mark, Mark Warburton's hand after the the Hibs, the cup final at Ibrox that night after the game, and everything was seemed to be sorted. But I, I was away. The club were, you go away on holiday, and obviously, you have to fit fit it in when when it suits. And um, it was just, I thought it was just a matter of driving around the corner and and getting it signed, and then. And then obviously going back home, but um, it just wasn't to be. In the end, it was difficult, disappointing, but I think it was a good time to leave at that point, to be honest. Um, the club were wanting to go in another way. Obviously, they wanted to bring in bigger name players um, on big wages, and obviously the game time would have probably been even more limited, do you know what I mean? Um, but it's just a shame how it ended. I remember um, Davy Weir was on holiday as well at the same time, and he rung me and goes, what's, what's happening? And I says, well, what do you mean, David? He goes, have you signed yet? And I says, no, I've not. And he says, I thought you were signing. I said, no, it's been um, taken off the table. So I think um, David was a bit embarrassed by how it all happened because David's 100% straight down the line, you know, and um, he was a bit upset by 
by how things ended. But look, that's football. You move on, and it was it was it was actually the right time for me to move the club. I was going to say they wanted to go in a different direction, but um, I think it could have obviously been handled differently. You know. Yeah, that's that's never good to hear. Um, but for what it's worth, Dean, last night when we were doing this today, I asked people um, if they had any questions for you. Um, there's a couple of quick questions here, but um, the overriding message, and I'll quote one um, from a boy called Nathan, was not a question for Dean so much, but can you tell him um, and thank him for his service to our club in its time of need? And I'm sure every Rangers fan welcomes him at Ibrooks whenever he visits. And that's something that a lot of people um, have said when I've asked this. There's been no bad comments and everybody thanks you and everybody enjoyed your time at the club. Is there anything you want to say back to the fans? No, obviously, sometimes when you leave clubs, you don't get to say goodbye. Obviously, it was a tough four years. I, I, it was an honour for me to pull on the blue jersey. Do you know what I mean? It's something that... Um, that's probably the pinnacle of my career, obviously, along with playing for my country. But um, I'm, I'm just delighted now that the club are back to where they, they, uh, they, where they should be, fighting for the title. And obviously, to be part of that, something that helped rebuild the club. I know I only contributed in a, in a small kind of way, but I'll always look back with pride at, at the chance to... Um, to pull on the blue shirt at Ibrox. I remember obviously scoring a hat-trick. Um, I've got the big picture framed against Dunfermline at Ibrox is something that I'll cherish. Um, and even, I probably would have been happy just playing one game, but um, I think I got 131 games or something for the club. So it's something that I'll, I'll always look back on with pride and, and I will be going back and forth. I've still got good friends there and, and around the club. So um, it's, it's obviously been a, the highlight of my career to represent a club of the size and and it's something the fans were always good with me you know and as I said when times were tough down there they, they stood by us and and I think if it hadn't have been for the fans any other any other club without that fan base would have would have gone under you know and, and I think when the club get back to winning an our title I'll take great satisfaction and and knowing that I helped with a tiny a tiny bit of getting them back you know just when you mentioned, just a couple uh, quick ones here, Dean. Just when you mentioned the uh, Northern Ireland uh, link there as well, uh, Steve Davis, also somebody that's uh, hugely influential for Rangers at, at the moment. Could you give us a bit of insight into what Davo will be like in that in that dressing room, and also what he's still bringing to the team in the middle of the park? Uh, you can see that what his influence um, that he brings. You know, he brings calmness. He brings, he keeps possession. There's, he's he's smart with the ball and. I think he's seen it even, in, especially in Europe. Um, he's been phenomenal at times when he's he's helped dictate play and knows when to keep it, when to force, when to force it, and raise the tempo. He's just an all-round um, top player, you know. And he has been. His leadership skills are going to be massive. Um, I, I I know he didn't play there against Kilmarnock, um, but he came back in. But um, as you say when you're looking at leaders and, and knowing how to win titles, he's been there and done it. And obviously I've, I've known him all my life. Um, and he's, he's a great fella and he's, he's a, he's a great option to have. And I'm sure that he's, he's very key for Stephen Jarrod's plans for, for next season and, and pushing on, you know. He also still looks as if he's probably got a couple of more years left in him, certainly at this, at this level, but is he a type of character and a type of football man that you can see, Potentially moving on and being a coach and a manager on his own right one day. 
I don't know. I was doing my badges um, last two years, and I keep telling him they need to come do them with me, and he's humming in hand, and I'm not sure if he wants to, to be honest. Um, I don't think he's too keen. I think, obviously, when he's, when he's finished playing, he might, he might maybe look into it a bit more, but um, I'm not sure he wants to. I, I, I was on to him to do them with me last, uh, the last couple of years, but he hasn't, uh, he hasn't bothered, so I'm sure once he's finished, he's still got loads of loads of time in him yet. So um, I'm sure once he's finished, he has the attributes. Obviously, he's he knows the game and he's and he's a good leader. So um, I'm sure he'll, he'll have that option maybe when he when he finishes. Is that the next step in your career? Is that how you see you, the next couple of years planning for you? Not going on and trying to follow your dad's lead in bug out? Uh, I think so. Obviously, I'm still learning. Um, I'm going through all my badges and. I'm finishing off my A license and uh, at the moment, so I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm doing a lot of coaching with with kids in in this area and that. So um, yeah, it's something I I really enjoy doing. So hopefully that takes me um, somewhere where I can give give back to to the game. Where obviously I was so fortunate to get so many good memories out of football. So um, if I can help people, then then so be it. You know. And just finally, for me, Dean, what have you made an impact that uh, Stephen Jeddar's made? Also, there's been uh, some good times, there've been some bad times, but overall, he's uh, really taken Rangers back, back to where they, they can be and where they should be, and certainly raised, raised standards and raised levels on and off the park. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, I, I think he's brilliant. I think obviously without winning anything yet, um, but I'm sure that'll come. But I think his whole, I think he gets it. I think some managers come into Rangers or whatever. Some people come to the club and they don't get it, you know, and and they struggle. But I think he understands um, what the club's about, and um, they are improving, you know. Obviously, the, since Christmas, it's it's maybe dipped a bit, but if you look at the overall picture, we are we are getting there closer, and uh, and I think that um, I definitely think he's the man to to push us on on to get that next title, you know. Will it be this year? Um, I hope so, but if not, I, I'd expect them to do it next year. Dean, just before we go, because I know we're, we're conscious of time, um, you're a busy man, you need to go and pick the wee one up. So before we go, something that a lot of people ask, and what's your favourite memory um, overall at your time at Ibrooks? Um, Obviously, the old firm was brilliant. It was special, but I think it was my first goal. Um, it wasn't a big game. Um, East but it was my debut against um, Juki. I think Juki was manager of East Fife at the time. Yeah, and right. I think it was just the fact that I was putting on the blue jersey and I was making my debut at Ibrox and, and then I got my goal and it was just something that um, will stay with me, you know. Um, I think that's just to get to do it once, you know, and, and realise that um, it, was, it was... I would say I would go for my debut at Ibrox because... Um, it sort of starts to hit home that I've, I've actually managed to, to do it, you know what I mean? So um, I would go for that. I, although there was a few maybe moments with goals or whatever, but I would definitely go for my debut. Okay, Dean, um, as I said, you're obviously you're, you're, um, you've given up your time to come on and talk about your time and your, um, in your career. We're very thankful, Dean, um, that you were part of the journey and thankful for your service. And as Amesi said before, we hope to see you back at Ibrook soon. And thank you very much for giving your time and coming to talk to us today on the Four Lads of the Dream podcast.
no problem, lads. No problem. Thanks for having me. Um, good luck then. So that is another um, edition of the Four Lads Had a Dream podcast um, completed. As a huge thank you to Dean Shields um, for joining us. He was extremely busy. Managed to give up half an hour of his time. I know that he needs to go and run and pick up his wee one and things. But that just shows you um, the dedication of these guys. They don't mind coming on. They give up their free time to come and speak to us. Um, so that is really appreciated. It's always lovely to get a wee insight into these guys who've lived the dream and wore the jersey and that. So I'm sure, I hope everyone enjoyed it. Um, and it was certainly a good listen. As usual, it's a huge thanks to our co-host, Mr. Chris Jack, for joining us. Chris, thank you. No problem at all. Really enjoyed that. Eddie was always good to deal with when he was, he was at Rangers. and nice to catch up and Eddie hear from him again. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a good story. Um it just shows you, Chris, how far that we've come when you think about the time with Dean and obviously he touched on it and it was not something I wanted to push too much because it's not a good topic of conversation. But when you look at the things that he endured off the pitch, on the pitch during his time at, at Rangers, um, he certainly didn't have the the kind of free run that, that Gerard has and, and just having to concentrate on results on the pitch. As I say, it was a, a difficult time. He had some, he had some highs and he had some lows. And also, Everybody will remember the uh, Celtic Cup final, and it was interesting to hear the how he how he left after that after that cup final as well, and the inside story if you like on on the on the deal that he, that he thought he had, but ultimately didn't get to sign. So that's uh, really good to uh, to catch up with him, and I'm sure he'll he'll go on and make a success of whatever lies ahead as a as a coach, um, and as I say, getting the chance to uh, to follow in his dad's footsteps. And it'd be interesting if I ever saw him uh, back in the game here, uh, but. Uh, uh, in the dugout instead Yeah, certainly one to watch um, we'll look forward to seeing how Dean gets on and um, for us going forward we'll be back um, next month we hope to finish the Alex McLeish podcast soon um, there's just so much content Alex has been kind enough and he'll join us again soon we'll finish that um, so we think after Dean Shields is out we think Alex will most likely be the next one and then we've got a few more guests lined up to join us so I hope that you will continue to listen of course, you can subscribe to the JerseyNet podcast and you will automatically get the Four Lads of the Dream podcast through that site also. Um, and get yourself onto the JerseyNet website. We're on there posting daily all things Rangers. And of course, you can follow Chris Jack on Twitter. He is Chris underscore Jack 89 um, on Twitter. And Chris obviously does daily articles on Rangers um, in his role with the Glasgow Times. Myself, you can join us, um, Four Lads Had a Dream, on Twitter. Um, I'm also on Twitter at StevieCliff27. Um, come and follow us. Come and check out Four Lads Had a Dream site. Um, and all that's left to be seen. Hopefully, we'll speak to you again. We'll, we'll get you again next month to listen to the podcast. Um, and all that's left to be said is thanks for listening. Um, ignore the nonsense, the irrelevant, and the noise. Thank you. <laughs>